Welcome to Creative Block. We're your host, Gene. And V, we interview people in creative industries about their life, work, and hobbies while we do Dual Jam. We ask people on Twitter if they have specific topics they want us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts. And today with us, we have Allison Lockhart. Hi. Hi, Allison. I hope I said your name right. <laughs> it's actually Alison, but yes. Alison? <laughs> I was wondering if that was a pseudo or it was your real name, because I was like, this is such a cool spelling with all the yeah. double letters. That's so cool. Alison. All right. Public service announcement. Yes, that is Alison's actual name. With, I, had, I said the exact same thing when we first met. <laughs> it, oh, it's every everybody across the board. It's like never a problem either because it's like, how would you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, welcome to the show. Welcome to Creative Block. Um, you are a powerhouse. You do many different things. You work in production. You've worked your way up the ladder all the way up to supervisor. Uh, you have been uh, pitching your own show. You're a showrunner. You're a creator. You're a band manager of a very cool band that um, I have nothing to do with uh, whatsoever. Um, nothing. <laughs> nothing whatsoever. You are also in two different bands. Uh, Alison, how do you do it all? Oh, the, the non-sleeping, caffeine, all of that stuff that you should not do. Please live by example of don't. Uh, but I just, I just love working on things. I think all three of us can identify with that. Uh, I can definitely identify with it. Um, Alison, tell us how you got your start and what got you into animation and music at the same time, because it's they're very intertwined in your world. Yeah, that's a great question. It for me, it's always interesting uh, to talk about animation because I didn't like start off on that foot. I very much so was musically. Uh, loving and intertwined as a kid. Uh, my name actually, V, uh, comes from bassoon. When I was a little kid, I played bassoon. I played saxophone, flute. I loved every year I wanted to learn a new instrument. That was like my thing. And because I was the only bassoon player, it was like a childhood nickname, Alison Bassoon. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. And like, <laughs> that's really <laughs> yeah. cute. I love it. That's really so, cool. So like teachers would call me that. And like eventually, I think the first time I wrote it on a piece of paper was like, like, maybe end of middle school or something because like at that point you're like i'm not trying to cause like a problem i just i just kind of like this uh, when you, you know you're coming into your own uh but i loved music so much and i was like planning you know got through middle school high school i was like i really want to go to school for music um and then realized how hard that is <laughs> how yeah. much practicing goes into being like a classically trained musician it's so hard to get into orchestras and all state bands i was a band kid uh so it, it, it was, you know, like, I really, really wanted to do it, but I was like, all right, maybe I need to, like, look at, you know, some of my other, like, passions, and I loved video games, and I loved animation, which I know I'm not alone in, and when I was applying to college, for some reason, I was like, I don't want to apply to a school where you have to choose right away. I was a very indecisive person, and to this day, I'm still indecisive. That's why I have two different colored hair. I can't decide. Uh, so I was like, I was like, how, like, you know, like, how do I, how are you supposed to choose when you're going to college? And then, like, four months into the application process, I went to a school where you totally had to choose <laughs> which one up wow. front. So I don't know why I, like, Whoops. had that, like, determination. Uh, but... Uh, going into school and, and my love for animation and games, I actually got rejected from pretty much every school I applied to. 
Um, and I got in. I don't know to this day who sent in the appeal for me, uh, but huh. someone at USC uh, sent in an appeal for me in the video game department. So I went to USC for, I think it, I think the fancy term for it is interactive media, nice. uh, which sounds, re- yeah, really fancy. But really, it was just game design. Uh, and I met a lot of cool people there. Um, and so thankful uh, to have been there. It was kind of like a new program. Uh, somehow, I didn't learn how to code all four years, which I'm proud of. My mother is not, but I yeah. am. Because <laughs> I was dodge more... that bullet. I know. I was like, don't get the numbers away from me. Um, yeah. But what I really fell in love when, with, because the games that I liked playing were like JRPGs and all these really story intensive games, I fell in love with game animation. So that's really where my animation root came from was like oh, i love these like final fantasy and tales of games how how do we do game art how do we do game animation and at that time in the program it really was <laughs> programming based so i was sticking my nose over in the usc animation school so i was taking as many classes as i could it is very hard to change your major if anybody's ever tried to do that at one of those very pipeline stringent schools it's very hard but because I was thirsty for that knowledge and how to apply it to games you know I got to take a lot of cool classes and do a lot of things like that and then you know from there I got my game design degree can't code don't ask me to Uh, but it really (laughs) set me off on the like I want to work in animation I don't really think I want to go into the game industry right now and you know I, I set off from there and had a whirlwind adventure to get to animation. I My first job out here, gosh, I've been in LA for like 10 years this year, I just realized nice. too, which is congrats. bonkers to me. Well, I don't um, know if it's congrats worthy. <laughs> yeah, is that a congrats? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if anybody's really that happy to be here. Uh, my first job, I, I feel the same uh, every day. I'm like, Sweden is so close. <laughs> um, yeah. It's not close at all. Uh, but my first job out here was actually in live action. Uh, and I, uh, it was during college and it was the first time that I'd ever been on a film set, which was so magical. And I worked on Interstellar, uh, which was crazy. Uh, I have only seen that movie once, uh, and it's definitely a big thinker piece, but, uh, I was a PA on it for a couple of weeks. It shot downtown. Uh, all of my heart and strength goes to live action people. Mm -hmm. Those are long days at crazy hours. And, you know, to after seven minutes of talking to answer your question, <laughs> what mm-hmm. got me into animation was talking to people, which is summarized in me talking for seven minutes straight is on that set, you know, like you, you meet different people. I was young, I was fresh in LA and someone just came up to me and was like, Hey, PA. I mean, they said my name. Hey, Alzun. Uh, <laughs> just treat you just like as a title. <laughs> PA, come you over know, like, here come over here and tell me your dreams and ambitions um but you know they literally were like you know like hey we're going to lunch like who are you like oh you're a student like what are you interested in doing and I was like oh well I'm really interested in doing animation and you know like I really like you know listed a bunch of like adult swim things and a bunch of Nickelodeon stuff and something that still to this day is always a really big uh you know heart heartfelt memory for me is stop motion because I loved all those Rankin and Bass um, Christmas specials and stuff. So I just like blurted that out to this person. I was just like, I really like stop motion and animation and that's what I want to do. And this person just turned around and was like, 
I just came from working at Shadow Machine last week. Why don't you give me your email and, you know, if they ever need help again, I'll send it o- send it over. And of course, I was starry-eyed cuz you know, I'm this fresh new student in LA on Interstellar. Like someone made me get a water bottle for Michael Caine at some point during the day. Ooh. So I was like, didn't understand what was going. I know, fancy, right? I didn't understand what was going on and I remember like writing it down on a piece of paper and giving it to him and being like Nothing's going to come of that. But at least, you know, I got to have a really cool conversation with someone. Lo and behold, five months later, I get an email from Shadow Machine, and then I was working on a feature in the art department. So it's awesome. it's crazy the way you find your way into animation, because it's sometimes not, you know, not straight from animation degree or internship. Yeah, um, that's that's wild, because you you, like... You pass through like three different houses to get to where you are. Like that's yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. And that I think that might be a first because we've had people that started in one thing ended up in another. But like that that is a, a hell of a journey. Um, but music has always been consistently a thing. Yeah. Is that something that um, uh, you were always kind of hoping to move towards, or did it always feel like a hobby that you know you weren't sure if it would become a career? Or- where did that land for you? Yeah. So, and, and giving you that context that I loved uh, band instruments and orchestra instruments, and I was a part of that crew. I, because I went to uh, USC, uh, you know, fight on Trojans. I'm really not the most school spirited person in the world, but uh, I was in the marching band there, uh, which was a, a party to say the least. Um, okay. And so I got to still play my saxophone. So it did, uh, Gene, kind of in a way become a hobby and something, you know, that I've, I felt really good about and, you know, like got, got to play with other people, you know, you're being in a band, uh, you understand, like, you know, it's really fun playing on your own, but you know, when it all comes together, it's really cool. And I, I actually, from, you know, finishing out, uh, college and, you know, I still have my saxophone over there. Uh, I do not play it inside <laughs> for the sake of my neighbors. Right. Uh, but uh, I haven't played it in a while, and that kind of makes me sad. But uh, after leaving college, uh, I started being around a lot. I got bit by the, uh, what do I always say? I got bit by the heavy metal bug, um, uh-huh. and I full-fledged fell in love with uh, power metal and, and hard rock and stuff, which I already had, like, really liked listening to. I definitely had the taste for dad rock uh, way too early in my life, uh, but... I just started being, once again, like I'm fi- I was finding myself on these sets when I was in college, just, you know, pushing my way in to learn. And same thing with bands is I would show up at shows, I would talk to people, and then all of a sudden I'd be out on the road with these people, I'd be running merch tables, I'd be going to these concerts. And I, I started to learn how to drum right after college, because for me, you know especially being a female identifying musician, what I love about the drums uh, compared, you know, as much as I love saxophone and bassoon and clarinet, drums are so strong. When you're playing mm-hmm. the drums, like, Gene, you play too. It's yeah. so physical and, like, tactile and, like, love at first sight with the drums. Like, yeah. totally fell in love with that. Yeah, and I think at this point in my... Yeah. And I think at this point, like, I love playing so much and... Like, I had the dream of being a musician and all of that stuff, but to me, it's just like, I just enjoy doing it. And I never, as somebody, like, who's, I'm definitely a workaholic and usually tend to think of things, you know, pretty, like, like, oh, this could be a thing, this could be a thing. It's it's kind of soothing to know that drums for me is, like, this is my time, this is my thing, 
so so drums has been definitely I guess like hobby and I, I kind of like to own that like it's a good thing for me I'm like yes this is a hobby that I really enjoy doing I do like practicing and learning new songs and even my session musician my you know like my kid dream of wanting to be in orchestras and whatnot uh I got to do at some point in my life I've played on a DreamWorks film I played a song on the Crudes uh saxophone and uh, I've done some music for Bento Box on Central Park. Oh, that's super so cool. So that was really fun. It's interesting you mentioned about the hobby thing because it's like, I think that um, when you're, you know, you, when you're starting out as a as an artist, like it, the dream is to uh, do artist to do art full time. You know, like that's because yeah. it's like, wow, I get to draw for a living. That's great. And then that kind of gets um, ruined. Because once you start working, because it's like now you're doing it. Now it's a job. And so now you can't enjoy it anymore. Um, and uh, it's it's nice to to recognize those things and like keep the, certain things, keep them as hobbies. Right. Because it's like this is this is just for me. Like, I don't want this ruined. Um, I think it's good. I just I, I just wanted to say that's great that you can like recognize that and have kind of decided that that is like a thing that is just for you. Would you want to do music fully professionally or have you are you happy with your current like career path? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, as much as I like as I'm typing emails throughout the day, I'm like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if I just played the saxophone for eight hours a day? That'd be awful, actually. But like if I just played saxophone and that was the one thing I did and like, honestly, like, yes, I, I can't deny that like that sounds really great. But as somebody who I just recently went back into games, so my mm -hmm. my ladder has been all over the place. So as somebody who switched from like, you know, doing a lot of stuff in animation and finally taking a step into games, which, you know, as a child, that was always something I really liked. Changing changing industries and worlds is is really hard and it has nothing to do with, you know, not knowing how to do something or not having the ability to learn because we're all thirsty for knowledge and we sure. can all pick up something quickly. But I just like, like I've, I've, it's so weird that you find this kind of maturity as you, you meet people and you do certain, like just certain and a lot of things in your life. I'm just like, honestly, I, I think that'd be more stressful to me than, you know, than just keeping it, you know, as a really fun hobby. And I, I know I could pick up the sax right now and play whatever I want and, you know, have a, have a good time for myself. But the thought of like, going into like training and practicing oh, God, and yeah. figuring out, you know, as a, you know, early 30 year old person, you know, how, how I would, you know, be faring against, you know, younger musicians. And it's a, you know, I don't know much about the orchestra world, but there's only, you know, sure. well, a certain amount of orchestras and seats in the world. So yeah, yeah to me, to me, it's kind of like, I guess like, it's kind of like the, the ship has sailed, but it's not a sad thing for me. It's kind of like, you know, I took a different path. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the, like you said, there's only a limited amount of seats. Like that, that whole world is. I suspect it's also very like elitist in some ways, but that's very. That's me just speculating. It could be very nice and pleasant, but knowing what I know about any kind of artistic and very like skill-centered field, there's probably so many expectations of somebody and like beyond even just knowing how to play probably like i i don't know it's yeah. um yeah music doing music professionally is a, is a struggle um 
and nobody should do it. Um, but taking <laughs> that's it back, not the point. <laughs> that's, that's my point. Um, no, if you can, that's great. If you can, if you can make it happen. Um, yeah. But uh, taking it back to animation. Um, so you started your your gig at Shadow Machine, um, and how? Uh, what did you learn from that experience? What was the biggest sort of lesson learned from that first gig? Yeah, that first gig was interesting. It was on a movie called, um, I think it's Helen Back or Two Helen Back. It has not yeah. aged well just because it was a, a comedy, an adult comedy from decades ago. So keep that in mind. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was, <clears throat> excuse me. What I loved about it is I got to put my hands on like every part of the pipeline. And I think honestly, just in animation in general, this is always my like hitting home point is learning how to do everything or at least have an idea of everything and then you know find the find the part of the pipeline that's really exciting to you like for me it's production but when i first started on there i was in the puppet department so i got to work with armatures and you know putting them together uh and then moved into like paint and sets and then puppet repair so i did a lot of uh, puppet fabrication uh wood sculpting carpentry it was yeah it was super like rigging all the puppets mounting them down and then after that because at a certain point you know you have the sets and materials that you need you know it shifts into you know like shooting and and you know all that stuff and those people were so nice to like keep keep having me on to learn i did track reading which was new for me you know figuring out what puppet mouths go with, you know, like what picture that you're actually taking for that for that frame, right? Um, you know, I helped with organizing storyboards on the big board. Uh, big board is just kind of like their scheduling. Usually in stop motion, they have this huge big board of, oh, this set's on table right. five. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I got to touch everything, and that was like the best thing and takeaway from Shadow Machine, and that led me to uh, Stupid Buddies. Uh, I also randomly in the middle of that worked at Conan, <laughs> which like oh. if you if there's anything you can learn about my career trajectory is I I literally think that everything is like utilized in your tool belt. So like mm-hmm. all skills that you whether it's music performance or you know I I worked at uh, Conan in the costuming department, which is crazy they have so many costumes for a talk show which doesn't make any sense when you think about it but they have bits so i guess yeah they do Um, do, (laughs) to you know like running around and and learning film terms on interstellar and like it's all just like arsenal and you never know when it comes up in other gigs like there's definitely skills i've used at like bob's burgers or you know interstellar on you know things that crunchy roll or that matters that came up on battle of the bands just because it's like work experience is life experience uh so it's pretty crazy how that works but yeah that first gig really kicked me off into stop motion and i have some of the best friends to this day actually all of my most of all of my bandmates are people i've met through stop motion or by proxy. So that's crazy how much that's a small world, but then all of my bandmates are from stop motion. Uh, And then uh, stop motion, uh, you know, I'm finally honing in from video games to Mm -hmm. film, to animation, to stop motion animation. And eventually you, you know, meet people in 2D. And I finally got to make the leap into 2D animation several, several years ago. And uh, I've been working in that since, which has been really fun. Um, you were uh, talking about like the skills that you get from uh, one thing to another. Is there 
a specific example or situation that you can think of offhand that like where you were surprised at the skill you were applying that you learned from a past unrelated gig? Is there anything like that? Ooh, that's a good question. Honestly, I think the best one that I can think of that's coming to the top of my head is kind of how stop motion is, and I didn't mean <laughs> to make this all about stop motion. I haven't worked in stop motion in a while, but stop motion is the coolest interaction of live action and animation. Cause you, you know, you have sets, you have gaffers, lighting, you know, everything like that. It's very mm -hmm. physical. And then obviously like you still have the same principles of animation where, you know, like you need to, you know, move move their hands one by one so once you know like the frames are i'm snapping and no one can see me <laughs> once you play the frames really fast the yeah there you go uh the animation goes uh but there's there's uh it, it's really meticulous in it's planning from a production scale stop motion is insane to know how many puppets you have how many stages you have how many animators you have you know like you can't throw away, and you don't throw away things, but you call it striking, right? You can't strike a set until you've completely done all the coverage. That's not a lot of what goes into 2D, right? Because you can, you know, pick up the pencil and kind of right. start and stop wherever you want. But that mindset of scheduling and efficiency has been so helpful in, in my experience in 2D of keeping people on similar shots because they're already in the mindset of that angle or you know keeping you know keeping things grouped together even even just from like softwares honestly like shot grid and filemaker and things like that like the way that stop motion taught me to group things organize things and and time manage like definitely came from stop motion sure that's interesting yeah it's very it is a very structured um when I was starting out in college, I, or yeah, I guess it was during college, I started doing like e-cards, like shitty animated e-cards for like moms to send to their kids. And it was like totally just a freelance gig that I just needed. But like I learned how to animate fast because it was like weak turnarounds, one week turnarounds. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, yeah. And so it was just like, just simple, get it done, use shortcuts. And so like I, I developed a lot of little things. Um, and it's still coming in handy like now, you know, <laughs> like there's a lot of things, yeah. a lot of skills I had to learn that are coming in handy. Now I'm also back in games as, as, uh, as I've talked about. Um, yeah. And mm -hmm. it's like, oh, wow, I'm still using some of those skills. You never really know. Um, but uh, yeah. And so you um, most recently you uh, were a supervisor, right? Is that correct? Yeah, I did some supervising at Netflix, and then I freelance, I produce at Studio Mela. But yeah, I was a post-production supervisor for a good chunk of time. A lot of my production has been uh, post. Uh, it's very underloved, I will say that. So any, yeah. any VFX compositor, editor, person listening, you're heard. <laughs> you're, you're good. I we love you. you. Um, <laughs> can you talk a little bit about the differences of... Um, of all these positions that you've worked at and sort of what goes into them. Cause I think a lot of people don't really understand it and I'm sure that'd be good information to get out there. Yeah, for sure. Like uh, just on like the production. Yeah. Like, yeah. What those terms mean. We can yeah. start there and then move into any other, any of the other many job titles you've had. Yeah. Uh, I guess like the, the beginner mode of like 
or just big bullet points of what they are. So like, you know, you got your intern uh, or PA, however, studios handle all different, you know, uh, but, you know, like PA, intern is kind of at the bottom. A PA is production assistant for anybody who doesn't know that. They're actually assistants for departments too, which I always find that really cool because you can specialize a little bit more. Sometimes shows have art assistants or show assistants, which are sometimes different than production assistants, digital assistants. So, you know, assistant kind of implies what it is, but, you know, you're really helping the team out, usually gathering assets, you know, somebody, you know, you're reporting to a coordinator usually. So a, a PA goes into a coordinator above it. Um, and yeah, so PA gets a really good, you know, walking into a production, learning how things go and, you know, uh, you know, everybody on the production ladder is incredibly important. I always love the an- analogy or, you know, metaphor, whatever's the correct term for it, of right. gears turning. Mm-hmm. And a, a PA is a gear that has to be turned for the show to work. So everybody is incredibly important. So above that is the coordinator. Um, and they, you know, they have people that they're reporting to. They train PAs, interns below them. They're also usually, you know, coordinating meetings, helping uh, the people above them. It's a lot of, like, helping people below and above, which is why production in general is a huge communication job. A lot of your right. day, whether you're a PA or a producer, is emails. It's, you know, and now that we're in the digital age, you know, meetings, Zooms, sure. Google Meets, who's who's in what, you know, who's getting the materials that they need. And that a coordinator is definitely usually delivering files, uploading things. A lot of tracking goes into coordinating. Um, fun stuff like that. I'm racking my brain of anything else coordinatory. They do they do so much. That's just, that's the thing mm-hmm. is like I'm I'm rolling my Rolodex just like they kind of do like everything. Your coordinators are working very hard yeah. and usually juggling many hats. Yeah, they're the lifeblood of any production. Um, and they don't get the appreciation that they that they deserve a lot of the time, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Mm. And, and usually they're definitely like, especially on the art realm, you know, your storyboard coordinators, I've done that job before, design coordinators, color coordinators, you know, they're the ones like you know, probably relaying a deadline to you, (laughs) you know, they're not setting it, but you know, they're probably the reason why they're checking in. Yeah, exactly. The messenger, like they're probably checking in just because somebody else is asking them, but you know, like they, they're genuinely, you know, like trying to get you files or, you know, even just file paths to make sure they, you know, creatives are spent, you know, doing the stuff that you've, you've spent equally as much, you know, time and education and stuff like that, you know, where it's like, if, if they can spend their time delivering you the tools, you know, then you get the time to build. That's usually how I describe uh, coordinators. Above that, you have your managers and supervisors. And at some places, those are switched. Honestly, like every time I look, <laughs> if I'm like looking for a job and like Indeed or LinkedIn or whatnot, I usually kind of got to like see like what which one is is which because sometimes a supervisor is higher than a manager but essentially you know they're your mid to senior level production people they have more of a a bigger picture realm as you go higher up the production ladder that's kind of tends to be where things sway where pas and coordinators are you know excuse me more on the ground and you know like talking to everybody individually, getting those statuses, those ETAs, you know, keeping the gears going. 
Whereas when you get to the supervisor manager level, those are the people who are kind of outlying, uh, outlining here's what's happening this week, here's what's happening this month, where are these big milestones and stuff like that. And they have a lot more contact directly with the associate producer and the line producer. Um, so your, your supervisors and managers are big picture. Um, they're, you know, delegating coordinators, uh, their duties and tasks, uh, but they're definitely vitally important, uh, keeping track of, you know, notes with the coordinator. That's a big thing for coordinators too, is a lot, especially in post I'll speak for lots of notes, lots of mixing notes, lots of retake notes, uh, for retake animation notes, stuff like that. And your managers and supervisors, uh, this was a big thing that I did at Netflix, uh, usually are client-facing. So even if you're making a show in-house, um, you know, usually you have, you know, uh, a vendor animation studio um, or a VFX house or a post house, uh, you know, depending 3D, 2D, you know, like however that show is formatted, usually that is the supervisor who has... Uh, the communication uh, with people outside the studio like that. Mm. Uh, and then the two ones above that are associate producer, um, kind of everything, same thing, big picture, uh, you know, works pretty much in tandem with the line producer, but they tend to, at most studios, do a lot of the, um, not like specifically hiring, hiring, but they, uh, most places I've been at, an associate producer will organize, you know, interviews, uh, you know, do, do those initial polls, you know, who do we need on the team? Time cards is usually associate producer. So a little bit mix of some housekeeping, I guess, you know, housekeeping, HR kind of stuff, sure. but globally kind of keeping, uh, keeping track of the production and at that associate producer, producer level, you're, uh, you know, really, you know, right in line with and helping the showrunners and creators. Mm. So, yeah. So speaking of showrunners and creators, uh, what first gave you, uh, the bug to get into development and create your own show and start pitching it around? It's a great question. I think, I don't know. I, there's probably some like embarrassing childhood story that I could think of. Like, I feel like er everybody isn't inherently creative, but like, I feel like you, you just kind of like. I don't know, you know, like I was always that kid who was like trying to rally up like the neighborhood kids into like, let's, let's, let's put on like a play in my garage or like, I'd like make my Beanie Babies, like have like, I'd steal the family camcorder and like want to make like a movie with them. And I would never have any idea how to use the tape in the tape recorder. But like, there was always that bug gene. There always was just like, I kind of want to make something. And I think music like satisfied that because it's you know you're making live every time you pick up an instrument right you're creating it's never going to sound the same the no. next time you you do it um which is why live music is magical but yeah. i think i always had that bug and when it finally came to like making stories and you know like growing up in the beginning of the internet era you know where you know all of a sudden there's games that you can access and and websites and you know, like you, you just become immersed in that media. I think I always knew I wanted to tell a story, but I don't think I ever knew what the right story was until 
thinking of battle because it was one of those moments because I had pitched a show before battle which we're not going to talk about because it was just it was just you know the first one right the first time you like Mm -hmm. put together things on a piece of paper and it was a great experience and I still you know I I had people helping me out and it was really nice Um, but I what what main problem from that pitch I remember is I didn't know a lot about what I was pitching about, like the hmm. subject matter. I think it I think it was superheroes, if I remember correctly, which of course everything nowadays is superheroes. I remember after mm-hmm. I decided not to do that anymore, or maybe school picked back up, because it was it was a really, really long time ago. I was like, you know what? Like, I kinda wanna make a show about something that I like. If anybody asked me anything about it, not that it ever has to be a quiz like that, but I was like, if somebody asked me about it, I'd be able to like not feel nervous. You know, I wouldn't have to feel like, oh, I don't really know that much about X-Men or blah, 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 which is super true. Um, So then like the day that like, wait a minute, what if musicians had like Pokemon-like powers and they battled each other oh my gosh, I know so much about bands. Like I, I, I'm out with bands all the time. Like that's how that part of my life, like, like just clicked. It was like, oh, I want to do this. And that's what made me catch the like, okay, this is what it feels like to be excited about a story. Or like you get lost in, you know, I'm going to open up final draft and just write. I'm going to open up a Word document and just write. That's what happened for me with Battle. I mm. see, I see. Uh, I mean, you have other show ideas, too. You have, like, three different show ideas that you're pitching around now, or is it two? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing three. I'm working on one with thought. a creator, Tomo Misato. Uh, she is wonderful. And then I have another one that... Uh, currently is is out but i mean i'm being honest like the second the second you learn you write anything the second you learn how to do something and there's never really a right or a wrong way but properly with battle it it just made me want to like make other things Mm -hmm. yeah and it's also we've talked about it endlessly but it's like pitching is not a yes or no situation and it's not like uh, uh it, there's there's no victory state like you just have to have no. multiple ideas happening all the time and in multiple places if possible like it's just it it's to, to only have one idea and like pushing towards one place especially is like a that's a lose scenario like you're not gonna it's just not gonna happen um i i agree it's honestly like i think the state that a lot of people don't realize and and gene i'd honestly love to hear your opinion on too but like it's waiting like it it takes so much longer than you ever could think it could and and you you'll tell yourself listener right now you're like like oh it it couldn't possibly be as long as they're talking it's like you have a meeting and then people you know like imagine the hollywood scene you're at the table you pitch your idea they just slap down like the contract right there no (laughs) that is super cigar yeah yeah (laughs) you got a show kid no uh v has done plenty of pitching too and internationally so like she can speak to that as well Mm. um but yeah it's it's um However long you think it'll take, multiply it by like I don't know a hundred. <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's uh, and it's hard to not feel disappointed too. Like on the daily, like Jeans even heard me, you know, come to him. It's like it's really hard. That's why you have good friends. Um, but like yeah. it's really hard to not like 
you know, because you're super excited about your thing. Like, I'm rock and roll dad, woo-woo, excited every freaking day about battle. But, like, to, like, get all your emotion out in a pitch and, you know, and, you know, (laughs) have your hands, jazz hands shaking at the end. Like, (laughs) do you want it? And then they're like, we will talk to you in maybe a month. It's Mm -hmm, like, oh, mm -hmm. is that bad? And it's like, no, it's not bad, but it kind of makes you feel bad. It's like, oh, it's just, it's a weird it's a weird thing. It's performance art, it, honestly, at that it, point. Mm-hmm. Very, I was going to say, it very much is. And I think that um, um, for me, like, I, like when I started doing music stuff, it was sort of a release from the development. Like, it was, it was 100%, like, development was so frustrating and so punishing. And, and exactly, I'm glad you touched on that, that it's like you deliver all of this energy and all of this passion and you don't really ever get that response. And so it yeah. it's it really starts to take a toll because you're never getting any kind of validation ever. Like it's really the only validation you really hope to get that'll last is when you get the green light. And most of the time you don't get that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's this really like punishing thing. And, and so that's why I started doing my music stuff, because it was like oh, I can jump on stage and just be entertaining for 40 minutes and people love it? Like, fuck yeah, let's do that. And so it started as just like a auxiliary thing for me just to survive my other hustle. And it's kind of starting to flip now, which is interesting. Um, interesting. But, and it, I mean, for you as well, again, that's why for anyone who doesn't know, Alisoon is um, my band Q-Bomb's manager. Um, and it's been great and you've been really helpful. Um, go stream Cubone. <laughs> yeah, please. Uh, album drops in August, I think, maybe. Um, but um, uh, yeah, and it's like, I think that, um, like what you were saying about all the different skills and everything necessary, like that was why I wanted to work with you um, because I, I love to surround myself with people that are passionate, people that, that have done a lot of different things and like have that that grind mentality, bro. You know, but it's like, but it, but it is like it's important to to work with people that are kind of um on the same level right like people that are that are working hard towards a goal and we we should try to lift each other up um yeah i'm know. i'm actually really glad you said that cuz not to steer it back into pitching no you should I obviously want to talk about q bomb too cuz music is is something no yeah no, i, I you know, don't have having <laughs> well having the the love of music but then i i do want to talk about music in a production way because that you know Mm -hmm. is an industry but uh you're so right about the like you you don't get that immediate uh you know like affirmation from doing pitching and and i will i will always though want to say i'm very thankful because i i pitch with uh aaron hansen and parker simmons who Mm -hmm. have been uh, on creative block before uh Mm -hmm. and they are wonderful yeah they're wonderful and have taught me so much as much as i like you know have pitched before and, you know, was pitching battle by myself, but then having two people, you know, it is nice to finish a pitch. And then, yeah, usually, you know, sometimes you'll questions to me are a positive. Like anytime somebody asks a question, I'm like, that means that you were listening enough to be confused. Obviously you don't want them to be that's, confused, but it, like, yeah. you know, you want them to, you know, like engage a little bit. And my favorites are when, if you can get someone to tell a story themselves, like, because uh, my show Battle is, is, you know, two female identifying girls, but in the band scene, somebody, you know, at some point during a pitch will sometimes bring up, 
oh, like, oh, I used to be in a band in college or like, oh, I, I used to be an orchestra kid or something. And whenever that happens, it's just like, yes, like, awesome. Like our show got you to think about a memory yeah. that, you know, like we are kindred, you know, me being a saxophone kid, you know, rock drummer now. It's like, that's always the best feeling. But sometimes you you just don't get that and you you leave the meeting and you just wonder and as an anxiety ridden person it is so hard to not be like that went horribly they hate our show it's just Mm. it's all waiting it's Mm. all waiting waiting. and pitching is the one thing i do want to say to anybody listening who's developing their own show or a comic or you know you have an idea and you want to unleash it into the world whatever it is youtube video song animatic you know as much or pitching too is just you as much as you're pitching your story and your your characters will sell your story your 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 characters and your world you're 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 pitching yourself they they want to know about your story your journey i know v and gene are talking to me right now about mine a lot of pitching has to do with that like why are you the right person to tell your Mm -hmm. story you know Mm -hmm. do you you know, are you, how heavily do you need to be involved? Like, you know, is it can an executive just take a check and, you know, leave your idea? No, because it's your idea. It's your story. Why do you need to tell this story is really important in pitching. And Parker really, Parker Simmons really helped me kind of realize how personal pitches need to be. Yeah, it's it's very true. Um, you're, you're, you're not selling an idea. You're selling yourself uh, during a pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's definitely, and that's something that I definitely had to learn as well. Cause it's like, I thought that it was enough to just have an idea and have all these, you know, w- world building and like, this is this guy's power and this is this guy's power. But ultimately, like I kept hitting a wall with the, with, with my pitching because I wasn't relating the characters struggles enough and not, and in, and in turn, not explaining myself well, not, not explaining my struggles well. And so it like, wasn't resonating with the execs um uh, it's funny how shit, like though. right and it's funny how like mm-hmm. the creative process like anybody could ask me like nowadays like or even not ask but say like oh jamie and brooke my main characters mm-hmm. like they're totally like you alison like you like orchestra stuff and that character you know she's a composer wants to be a composer and then the other girl is like rock like it's totally you and i think it was my partner who was the first like I met him and told him, hey, here's my show. Please don't think it sucks, uh, which of course he didn't. But like, I think he was one of the first people to be like, these characters are just like you split in half. And I had never realized that. But like, that's, you yeah. know, the the interestingness of pouring yourself into a story and not realizing it where it's like, yeah, you're taken from something, you know, either someone you've met, yourself, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a mm-hmm. positive or a negative life experience. And it was funny because yeah, I super didn't notice it. And now every time I like go to review before a pitch, I'm like, I really just put my brain on a piece of paper yeah. for the world to see. <laughs> and it helps, it helps you write too. Once you, once you've figured, once you've cracked that, it's like, oh, okay, now I can think of what would I do in this situation in this mindset or yeah. whatever, you know, it, it or what would this person that this turned out to be inspired by, what would they do? Like it, it, at least it's always helped me once I crack those like muses, you know? And it's so funny because everybody, not everybody in battle, but a lot of people in battle because I've been out on the road with, with bands. See, I'm segueing, Gene. I'm going back to the band stuff. I love stuff. it. I love it. Um, <laughs> 
But being out on the road, and I usually say this as a funny anecdote in pitching, but like you meet the craziest people on yeah. tour. You meet the craziest people in like gas stations in the middle of nowhere, sure. in dive bars. Like you just like, so a lot of people in battle are, you know, based off of like exes, based off of exes friends, like based off of people that I've been in the tour van with. And it's, it's. Honestly, the like never negative. It's always so positive to like sit back sometimes and look and be like, "Wow!" Like we've been, I've been doing battle for five years. Obviously, the last the last two ish have been more pitching, so not as much like writing new plot lines and stuff like that. But like recollecting in those last five years, it's like there's so many people that are like referenced or even songs that I like or albums or you know things that you throw into your creative art and I'm like wow some of this stuff I wouldn't have you know I wouldn't have interacted with that person up until you know that year or something like that so it's it's kind of interesting how the creative process is such a time capsule too. Mm, it sure is mm-hmm. um so you also do uh producer work for studio Mela right I do, yes. Um, what? Because that's international. I'm. They're based in Ireland, right? Yes. Uh, what does that look like? Because it's it's freelance producing, which is interesting to me. And yeah. I have an idea of what that is, but I, I want. I would love to um, tell our listeners what that looks like for you. Yeah. Um, so if anybody thinks that I'm working, whatever the equivalent of nine a.m. to five p.m. Irish time is. No, because I would be, <laughs> I yeah, would be under the ground. Punishing, um, yeah, yeah. Um, there are definitely times where I wake up for a meeting at an interesting time, uh, but they, I am, they're LA producers, so they're very, very well aware of that, and I'm very, very honored to have that title. Uh, but what Gina's asking is, is freelance wise, is I, I seek out projects and bring them to them uh, and see if it works uh, for their teams. Uh, uh, Usually music videos is the big one. So once again, connecting uh, the connections that I have in music and stuff like that. So we we talk with a lot of bands and artists, uh, a lot of game companies actually recently. There's a game company uh, that I did send over there. I, I, I don't think I'll say the name, but so that happened, which was really exciting. Uh, friends that I knew in college actually who have a game studio now um, so small small world all around mm-hmm. uh, but yeah so it's it's a lot of uh, I, I don't use this term lightly but I know it's kind of a cliche it's kind of a dream situation <laughs> like I get to on their behalf because yeah, I'm you know employed over there go think literally sit down and think of ideas of like what would be a cool place for all the cool people and animators of Studio Mela to work with. And then I research if I know somebody over there, if I know somebody who knows somebody else, like that network tree. A lot of producing is who do I know, who knows who, what favor can I ask for? It's, it's kind of that quote unquote Hollywood game. But uh, I find that fascinating. That's how <laughs> most most things with battle, any... Any really cool person we have on Battle of the Bands is always because someone knows somebody and they're incredibly nice and incredibly excited to work on on cool stuff. But, you know, that's that's kind of what I've been doing at, at Studio Mela is is fishing, I guess, is the the sport term, you know, yeah. putting out a bunch of putting out a bunch of fishing poles. Uh, I'm always in favor and uh, me and the Studio Mela people 
uh, Stephen is the Stephen, Sean, and Jerry are the founders over there. You know, it's always like I'd rather put out a bunch of fishing poles and deal with the problem of having too many bites uh, than put out one and you know never get a nipple. So yeah, so it's a that's a lot of emailing. Everything is emails, Everything but is that emails. one is the most. <laughs> that yeah. one's the most emails. Interesting. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's so uh, I technically don't, you know, like it's it's like I don't want to say it's like being like a car salesman, but in the sense of like like I when I bring in a project is when, you know, it it kicks off. Right. I'm That's not really cool. like 9 to 5. Yeah. Um we had a question on Twitter from at Dino Lich. Uh what's it like producing? Love them. Yes, love them. What's it like producing slash creating your own show versus a project for someone else or a studio? That is a great question. Um, it's honestly, it, it, it is different, but you, you kind of, when you've done one or the other, it makes it easier to do uh, the other one. Right. I don't know if that sentence made sense now that I said it out loud, but you know, like as much as like when you think like, oh, when I'm show creator, I'm going to have creative freedom and I can do whatever I want. And like, there's a lot of things that go into that. You know, if you're at a place, if you're not at a place, a studio, I mean, you know, distributors, licensing, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's your baby, right? People use that term all the time. Mm -hmm. I don't super like that term, but you know, like it's your baby. It's your baby. People will say that to you all the time. But when you're, when you're producing on somebody else's show, it's, you know, you're, you know, you, you, you're really protecting and championing that project. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's not yours. And that's something to always remember. Like it, you're, you're never going to hold the IP or creativeness for that, but you want it to succeed as much as they do. And, and honestly, that's why I love producing because, and I think even you, Gene and I have talked about this is it's so much easier to be a cheerleader for somebody else's project yeah. than your own. And that might sound counterintuitive, right? But no, it, it's it's so much easier to like go support your friend's project or the one that you're, you know, produce you're hired on to produce than, you know, like continually being the cheerleader for yourself. So I actually really enjoy producing because you can you can go crazy about how much you love somebody else's thing. It is it is funny how that happens, but that's um, and you know and that's part of the reason why I we brought you on as manager because it's like our nose is to the grindstone with the music like and we always see is the flaws and in any project you're gonna get to a point where all you see is the flaws because you're way too close to it it's way too personal et cetera et cetera and so like if you can have those collaborators or you can have those people that are gonna just help you sell it you know and that's why a lot of people work with. Um, like uh production companies and stuff now because like mm -hmm. trying to get any show made is a, a feat it's like a david and goliath feat and so like you need to um you need to have people that can back you up and can and can support you and elevate you and um so yeah it's it's a it's a good thing to note i think um, it's like the same it's the same like spectrum of like you know like creating something and then producing something but it's definitely you know having having created something myself and you know still trying to push it out into the world but then producing I'm able to also get in the mindset of like I know how important this is to the creator I'm talking to 
I know, you know, I, I can get behind what they're feeling, you know, because I'm, I'm not in someone else's brain. So I would never claim to be like, I understand fully because that's never fun to hear. But like, you're able to be a little bit empathetic of like, man, I would be super anxiety ridden right now or, you know, like stuff like that. So like being able to be creative and then also, you know, I guess producing is businessy, right? Like we'll, sure. we'll throw out the B word business, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, being able to have both of those really helps as a producer, I think. Mm. Totally. Uh, we like to ask our guests how they deal with creative block and what it feels like to them. Yeah. Um, creative block. That's such a good question. For me, this is going to sound really stupid, but I'm going to go for it anyways. For me, I handle creative block really physically and like auditorily. And what I mean by that is walks and music. And I I don't know how anybody else, uh, you know, is dealing with the current global situation. But definitely since 2020, I'm a very active person and we couldn't go outside (laughs) for a long time. And for me, I as a I am an eating disorder survivor. Um, I've been in recovery for about five years. I, I I personally don't deal well with sitting down for long periods of time, and I work an office job. Like that's crazy. So uh, even when I'm creative and like I was sitting down for a year, I I worked on battle solely for just a year. You know, creative block, and then also having you know like being in one chair at one desk in my living room. It was a $20 Ikea chair. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. Get an office (laughs) chair. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, what really helped me, and of course, as, you know, things started to get, you know, a little bit better and and learning how to be safe, you know, walks at night in the morning so I could be around nobody else, like that fresh air, maybe it's the Pacific Northwest person in me, like helped me. Like, even if I didn't have headphones, usually I'd put on music and that usually music helps me get out of creative blocks so much because I don't have to think about my thoughts or or the, you know, think about the creative block. I can concentrate on somebody else's words. I can concentrate. You know, it's like baby food. It's like, I just need to listen to what Gerard Way is singing about. You know, I just need to listen to the guitar parts. Um, And usually it'll help me think about, you know, like, oh, this riff sounds really cool, but yeah, just honestly walking, walking or running, really. If you if you get, like, on your feet and walk around or however, you know, you you want to use your muscles or feel good doing that, like, it clears your head. There's, some, there's something the blood about moving, that. Yeah, I mean, there's, I, I'm sure there's an actual biological reason for that, mm-hmm. um, that it literally just makes your brain work better. B- brain yeah, work good. Of- yeah, brain, brain, we're good. Me move. But like, yeah, and a lot of things that I've like, I'm now I can say that I'm proud of, of like, which I'm not going to say story points for battle, but things in the story of battle that I'm like, you know, like, oh, this is so juicy or, oh, my gosh, this is so tragic. I can't wait for people to watch it mm-hmm. have happened on like a 1 a.m. walk around my apartment in Hollywood. Like, yeah. like, it's just like that loosens up the like the juices. Things just click. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, what are some of your goals for the future, either in your career or in your life? What kind of things do you hope to accomplish? Yeah, that's a really great question. Well, uh, number one is I want Q-Bomb, a band that you should stream and go do things, uh, 
to successfully launch their album and all the fun goodies that are coming because uh, yeah. we didn't super hit on it but uh like being a, a manager of bands it's so funny because i feel like people like and it maybe you two both can attest like when you're younger and you see you know like pictures of like you know like kurt cobain and dave grohl and you know like slash and you're like oh like some some people have that desire to be a rock star for me, I'm, like, very, I guess, like, I always was built to be a production person. I'm just, like, wouldn't it be cool to, like, work, like, be one of the, like, behind-the-scenes people or, like, be <laughs> a part of, you know, like, the music videos or stuff like that? So, honestly, like, being able to, like, not be the person on stage, and as we talked about earlier, is, like, really cool to me. So, my my goal is, is to help make Cubum uh, the biggest, coolest band in the world. Uh, I honestly have a passion uh, to uh, own my own animation studio and record label. I think animation and music have been tied together for eons of history. Um, and because I'm so heavily involved in both worlds, that's honestly, that's act actively what I'm trying to do. Uh, so that's out in the world now. Scary. Um, I I'd love to help other creators make their shows. Um, helping a couple other people pitch right now is just... I. I just want to see more original IP. I think, yeah. you know, that there's so many cool things out in the world uh, that we all have enjoyed for a long time, but I'm loving new stuff. I'm always loving new ideas in a very wholesome way. My goal is to relax more. Yeah. I want to relax more. <laughs> please. <laughs> that's a good please. one. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. I, I mean, I relate. I completely understand. Yeah. I, But, you know, it's you have a lot that you want to accomplish. And, like... And also with the way these all these creative industries work, it's hard to tell what's going to hit, right? Like you don't, yeah. at least I don't know which of all of these endeavors of mine will actually, uh, you know, become successful, become or even lucrative for me. Like I just have no idea. And, and um, that's not necessarily the end goal, but we live in a capitalist society, et cetera. So um, you have to and that pay the bills. And that, and oh my God, you have to pay the bills. And that's something that like, even as a producer to this day, like talking, you know, I'm at a new studio, you know, I've been at other studios, you know, Studio Mela, Netflix, you know, all these different places. You know, I think the, the thing of like producing or, or being in a, a, you know, like a man, managerial level or something like that is a job is always going to be a job, you know, like it, it, it pays for or gives you, you know whatever, you know, income or benefit, you know, to make your outside life better. And it's hard when you're around people that people or employers that don't get that or maybe have forgotten it along the way, you know, as much as we we're all making cartoons or video games or comics, you know, you know, it is it is like a, a fun, like amazing, like, oh, my God, you get to work on, you know, bob's burgers i i, yeah, I kept saying yeah. that because that's i worked on it but like you know like it's <laughs> it's like that's so cool but at the same time it's just a job it's just a job yeah. that's it and like i come from a none of none of my family members work in the i almost have to live <laughs> none of my family members uh work in the entertainment industry so sometimes it's hard to like get them to understand how like crazy fast paced the industry is how much it does very clichely you know take you in rip you apart spit you out you know there's there's up times and then there's bad times and then you're like oh my mother who's worked at the same company you know for like 30 40 years oh you know God. is like 
yeah, yeah, kudos to her. But you know, like she just that just uh, you know just comes from a different place, right? You know, where it's like you you were at two studios this year, like it does it doesn't like compute to her, you know. So it's just you know everybody's journey is different, uh, you know, even within the entertainment industry. If you're a board artist, a PA actor voice actor director it's like everything is so so different so i I, now i'm getting preachy which is the rock and roll dad in me where i'm like let me tell you all to believe in yourselves but like Mm -hmm. seriously like everybody's journey is so different and it's v v and i were talking about this right before it started and i i I wrote it down because i remembered i wanted to say it is for a good two years after I graduated I were I lived in San Diego and I worked retail I was with a partner at the time and I worked retail because I couldn't I couldn't get a job I I had worked on interstellar I had worked at shadow machine like you know you get that like I had I had jobs why can't I get another one sometimes it's like that you know and like you'll never you'll never like understand it until you're in it and you're you will be I was heartbroken. I was sad. You know, you feel so defeated. You're like, I was doing it and now I'm not, which means I'll never do it again. Nope. That is not true. Like every day is different. You know, uh, you, you do what you have to do. A job is a job. There's the round. There's the circle. A job is a job. You do what you have to do. And, you know, it all keep, came together. keep talking to people. Yeah. Mm. Everything came together. Um, is there anything that you want to plug while you're on the show? Want to plug? I just plugged Q Bomb. Uh, you can follow all of the Battle of the Band stuff uh, is on the social medias. Uh, there's Twitter, uh, Instagram. Uh, we have a TikTok. It's my TikTok now, but I'm trying to put out a lot of pitching advice because I, I usually get honestly asked about that the most. Um, it's really so, yeah, funny you too. Can... Your TikTok's fire. <laughs> like it, you, you, Thank you, you, you post so much. On top of all of this other shit, everybody, she's also on TikTok making like full fucking skits. Like I don't understand. I don't know. <laughs> it's honestly that's the. I was so jealous of other people being able to do like the like the little fun like filters and like Pokemon oh, stuff, yeah. and I was like only doing you know like. Here are bios of the Battle of the Bands characters. But then, like, at a certain point, we started pitching, and there's, you know, there, trust me, there are so many things about, about battle that I want to tell everybody about, but, you know, you just can't at yeah. a certain point. And I'm just like, I don't have anything else to post, but I really want to do the fun Pokemon, like, filter thing. So then I was just like, I'm just going to make this mine. <laughs> yeah, why not? And it's Everyone great. can deal with it. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's the end of this creative block. Alison, thanks for being our guest and sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And remember to support your production people, especially this time. Everybody deserves better, but your production people really need your help. So look out for them. That's so true. Um, And thanks for listeners. Follow us on Twitter. It's at Creative Block, Creative Without the Vowels, where we ask for joint prompts and questions to ask our guests. Huge thanks to your editor, Clements, for editing the podcast and Malik for helping us produce the show. If you love our show, then support us on Patreon. Becoming a patron gets you early access to interviews as well as bonus episodes. Click the link in the description of this episode. I've been your host, Gene. And I was B. Keep being creative, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.